from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. What can this church do to honor another person? What can we do that isn't a transaction or a handout, but is loving and empowering? How can we turn ourselves outward and look beyond old models of mission and service and not just create more church programs? It became a process that led 88 social entrepreneurs to bring us their ideas and their social ventures that follow a business model, but to make a social change, modeling God's economy of dignity and love. And to make a long story short, it became our epiphany. These are the five of those 88 who will receive grants from our church. Their initiatives show us what it looks like to do unto another as we would want done for us as God has done for us all. They seek to empower rather than condemn, to walk alongside rather than judge, to create community and opportunity and friendship and love and radical hospitality. It's my great honor to introduce them to you today, and they're going to come and tell you their stories. First up is Larry Witherspoon, right behind me, of Automotive Training Center. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, my name is Larry Witherspoon, Jr. I'm the Executive Director of the Automotive Training Center. I'm here today to speak to you about something that I find disturbing, and I think that you will also. That's the issue of mass incarceration. Uh, and mass incarceration is simply that the U.S. sends too many people to jail and prison, up to five to ten times many as comparable first world countries. And unfortunately, most of those sent to prison are young, poor minorities that are poorly educated. The system is racist, classist, and ineffective. I'm passionate about solving the issue of mass incarceration because I narrowly miss going to prison myself. Uh, gr growing up, I was afforded every opportunity to succeed, but I ended up dealing drugs and didn't realize how poor decisions I was making until I was arrested for assault and had nobody to blame but myself. Uh, by the grace of God, the charges were dropped but I saw my life before me and I knew I was gonna end up in jail or dead if I didn't make a change. At that time, I was scared and I wanted to live and I found God, I found Jesus and decided to pursue a positive path for my life. But what if I grew up here in inner city Atlanta and I grew up poor instead of middle class and I went to a failing school like so many here in inner city Atlanta? And what if when I was faced with those two choices, jail or death, I wasn't afraid because they were normal? Shouldn't that make us worry? Right here in Fulton County alone, over 2,000 youth, males under the age of 18, are jailed every year, and that's just in Fulton County. That doesn't include the other counties that make up metropolitan Atlanta, and it doesn't include young adults ages 19 to 25. Some other alarming statistics are that most of Georgia's inmates do not have high school diplomas. Uh, most of the crimes committed by young males, and Georgia has one of the high highest high school dropout rates in the country. That is why 
uh, once convicted, it is hard to maintain stable housing and employment, and two out of three former inmates will end up back in prison within three years of release. So how do we, how do we solve this problem? It's huge and it's destructive. And I have a solution, and it's called the Automotive Training Center. When I was making poor decisions in my life, car repair is one of the only positive things I had going for me. So I've taken part of what saved my life and created an organization to do the same for others. The Automotive Training Center has two main programs, but I will highlight just one for the sake of time and scope. That is the entry-level program. This program is eight weeks long, and it gives students all the skills they would need to obtain an entry-level position, and we help them with job assistance after graduation. We do this because maintaining stable employment is the number one correlating factor to reducing reoffenses. In 2018, we had 16 graduates in this program, and 80% of the recent graduates are employed, and only one student has reoffended. We've had placements at Curry Honda, F Oils Acura, Kaufman Tire, and others. And even though we've had one student reoffend, the reoffense rate of our program is more than seven times lower than the state of Georgia's. 2018 was a great year for us. We trained 55 students in total, but we are not content because there are many more who are needed this training, so we have to grow our programs to meet that capacity. In 2019, our goal is to train 22 to 24 students in our entry-level program. and We are only able to do that if we hire uh, a second instructor. So our program application for the Epiphany Project was to uh, request funding for salary and benefits to pay a master level technician instructor and to cover additional student expenses from the expanded program. It's very clear that we have found part of the solution to mass incarceration. If we can get the right funding, people and equipment in place, we can really make this program take off. It costs the state of Georgia thirty dollars to $90,000 to incarcerate an individual per year. And when one of our students gets employed, they're no longer a burden to the taxpayer we become a contributor to the economy. For example, take Damon, one of our former students. <clears throat> he spent nearly a third of his young life incarcerated, and he's always been a hustler, but now he hustles for legal employment since graduating from us. And that is a huge contrast to his former life of armed robbery and drugs, and that is a direct result of our program. I want to thank uh, Church, First Presbyterian Church and the Epiphany Project for uh, allowing us to get funding to make our programs more impactful to take our students and make them productive students or citizens just like Damon. Thank you. Church, I want you to meet Andrew Thompson, whose Epiphany Project is the Eviction Assistance Mobile App. Well, thank you, Rebecca, and thank you all for your help. Um, so last year, over 40,000 Fulton County residents received an eviction notice. That's one in five renters. The notice that tenants receive from the courts, it's complex and it's confusing and there's a lot of legalese on it. It's so confusing, in fact, that only half the tenants that receive this notice actually take the next step. We're here to change that and at the same time, we found that we can save courts massive amounts of time and money. So first, let's talk about why addressing eviction is important. Through my hands-on work with over a thousand tenants, I found that eviction has many causes, and it's often far more complicated than simply not paying rent. For example, a third of the people that I saw, they withheld rent because their landlord wouldn't fix a major repair issue. 
The rest likely experienced an illness or their car broke down. All of these folks are painfully aware of just how fast the Georgia eviction process works. Unless they complete the next step, which is filing an answer with the court, they could be on the street in as little as 10 days. Also, eviction is important to address because it's both a cause and an effect of generational poverty, income disparity, and racial inequality. For example, of all the folks I saw last year, 88% were African American, 66% were women, and most of these folks, out of that thousand, had children. Studies also show that roughly 40% of the homeless are without shelter because of an eviction. So how can we help? We found that reaching a tenant as soon as they receive that court notice, it's critical. Getting information at this stage allows tenants to file that, do that next step, file that answer, allows them to do it correctly. And that answer gives tenants an extra two weeks and, unlock, and it unlocks other solutions like mediation. And the, da the data we've collected backs this up. The tenant assistance clinic that I run saved 75% of our visitors from eviction. It saved over $450 per tenant in reduced judgment and fees, and it helped over 300 tenants reach an agreement with their landlord at mediation. So using what we've learned about eviction, we decided to focus on a solution that takes advantage of the intent of that summons form. And so what we're gonna do, when the tenant receives the new summons that we're proposing, it's gonna have a link and a QR code that gives them access to an app. This app will guide tenants through the entire eviction process by uh, providing interactive timelines, uh, suggestions on how to mediate a case, and it'll help tenants find rent assistance. The app will also send reminders and alert tenants when documents are filed in their case so they can know exactly when they'll be evicted if, it, if they reach that point. And we also found that eviction places a huge burden on our court system because almost all of these tenants are unrepresented. In fact, a recent study found that eviction cases take 10 minutes per case, and that's even including cases that don't go before a judge. To put this in perspective, the average traffic ticket case just takes 12 seconds. But we found that we can save courts massive amounts of time and money when tenants arrive to court prepared. For the last 30 years, courts have been asking for a solution to this problem, um, but through my work with, with tenants and also separately as a court technology consultant, I think we found what they're looking for. And that's mostly by looking at e the eviction ecosystem and not just looking at each individual part, not just looking at tenants here, landlords here, the court here, but by bringing everyone together to come up with a common solution. So right now, Fulton County pays approximately $127 per case and that's at 10 minutes per case. Just one minute saved per case can save this county half a million dollars a year. We project that we can cut two to four minutes per case. We intend to charge courts $10 per tenant who uses the app, and we can also spread this cost by um, receiving funding uh, through other revenue sources like licensing fees or responsible data sharing. Um, and we project that this model will make this uh, more than sustainable all while addressing a major social issue. So where are we now? 
This idea recently won a nationwide award from a foundation led by former Google CEO Eric Schmidt. Fulton County's Housing Court, Pro Housing Court Division and I are currently in talks to do a one-year free pilot program. And this is my favorite part. <laughs> I'm proud, humbled, and incredibly thankful that I can stand before you all and say that First Presbyterian, so all of you, are now partners that are going to make building this app possible. I've learned so much through this process, and I want to thank all of you. I see a lot of folks that I've met with and talked to, and I just want to say thank you all, and um, thank you. And I'd like to invite Frank Furman up to tell us about his big idea, Pad Split. Good morning. I'd like for you to imagine for a moment someone who's working full time but is functionally homeless. What does that mean and how does that work? Maybe, they, maybe someone commutes from further and further away. Maybe they live in poor conditions, crash at a friend's house, sleep in their car, or at the airport. There are over 180,000 singles and couples right here in Atlanta who make less than $35,000 a year and for people in that situation, there are no good housing options. People like my friend Laura, she's a pastry chef at SCAD in Midtown, and she was commuting from Griffin, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half away. You can imagine getting to Midtown on a daily basis. And in the summers, when her hours were cut, she was sleeping at the airport. However, a year ago, she found Pad Split, where she got a furnished room with all utilities, Wi-Fi, and laundry for about 500 bucks a month, and because of that, this past summer was the first year in five that she was able to have a roof overhead. And she's not alone. So, so how do we do it? See, the affordable housing market in the United States focuses on cost transfer. How do you take the cost of an unaffordable property and transfer that cost from the resident to another entity, the state or otherwise charity? However, there's over 40,000 people on the Section 8 waiting list right here in Atlanta. Those waiting lists are incredibly expensive for the state and the communities to cover, and, and there simply has to be a better way, and that's what we're here for. At Padsplit, we fundamentally take the cost out of housing. We are motivated by the conviction that working people should be able to afford a decent place to live, and we do that through three main levers. So the first is through our shared living model. So in our homes, residents get a room, and they share common areas such as the kitchen, dining, and bathrooms, reducing the amount of space consumed by each person, and create, making it more affordable for the resident. Second is energy efficiency. In essentially any rental, landlords are not incentivized to uh, make the investments in energy efficiency that you would in your own home because they aren't paying the bills. They're on the tenant. And the tenant isn't incentivized to do it because they don't own the home. In pad splits, we cover the utilities. Therefore, we make those investments and drive down the costs, making it more affordable um, for the residents. And the third is upgrades. We bring in interior decorators, landscaping, uh, landscapers, nothing fancy, but the intent is to make a home that residents can be all proud of, that they'll treat better, and you drive down turnover and maintenance costs. On top of that, we bundle all of these bills that would otherwise be separate and very confusing into one simple payment. So we move people closer to work, they get their utility, no separate utility bills, it's all one bill. Uh, no furnishings, anything like that, all just one bill for pad split. So in the past year, we've created 150 permanently affordable units right here in Atlanta 
And this isn't just for the people who make the city run, it's your, the barista at your favorite coffee shop, waitress at your restaurant, your employees, singles, families, all here in Atlanta. So what we're asking the church for, you know, first, of course, is uh, the grant, which thank you for that. It will be used to take a home that was donated to us at 602 Hope Street, just five miles from here in South Atlanta, um, and it will become the FPC home. It will create 10 permanently affordable units right here. The second is to help us find great residents. So just this weekend, I received a phone call from a woman, she's an HR at uh, Allied Universal Security, and she was put in contact uh, with me from Bill Oppenheimer, who's in the back row back there. And what she said is, you know, we have two employees, they just moved to town, and we found they're sleeping in their car, and that just simply won't do. So I'm, I'm proud to say that they'll be moving into one of our homes this week, and I ask that all of you think about the people in your life, and, and there are those people in your lives who need this same sort of help and, and send them our way. Um, it's not a competition, but Bill has two, so he's winning. Uh, something to think about. Um, and lastly, what I ask is that you gas up the big orange bus in the back parking lot and bring it down to 602 Hope Street when we're ready to take that boarded up vacant home and turn it into a home that people can be proud of and proud to call their own and uh, make it a great place for them to live. Thank you. house on Hope Street. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm going to invite the team from Purposeful Pecans at Meals on Wheels of Atlanta, Todd, Hillary, and Jason, to come tell you about their new social venture. Good morning. I had breakfast this morning. Seems somewhat insignificant, doesn't it? But for one in six Atlanta seniors, they didn't have breakfast this morning. Good morning. I'm Jason Tucker, Senior Director of Meal Services with Meals on Wheels Atlanta. And I'm Todd Holcomb, CFO. And I'm Hillary Baker, Brand Activation Specialist, and we are Purposeful Brands by Meals on Wheels Atlanta. Meals on Wheels Atlanta brings nutritious and delivered home-delivered meals to seniors in Atlanta. Last year, we delivered over 345,000 meals with the help of 2,500 volunteers, some right here in this congregation today. Mo and First Press have worked together in this shared mission for decades. And you know, our volunteers bring more than just a meal. Sometimes their warm smile is the only face-to-face -face interaction that our seniors have on a daily basis. And although we're making a great effort, we're not done yet. Our ambitious goal is to grow meal deliveries to over 500,000 per year by 2020. To achieve this, it's gonna take additional investments in capital and in operations, maybe more so than our donors can support. At times, we thought this goal was nuts. Then we thought, hey, maybe it's nuts that could get us to our goal. So we're very excited to announce Purposeful Pecans, our flagship product under Purposeful Brands. We craft our purposeful pecans in our kitchen after our day's meals have been prepared. We partner with the former executive chef of the Four Seasons Hotel Atlanta, who has crafted and designed these gourmet recipes. Pecans cooked in sugar and spices and deep fried. And they're fat free. Okay, fine, they are gluten free though, they are gluten free. We launched with two flavors, Cinnamon Star Anise, 
and Sweet and Hot last July at the Peachtree Road Farmers Market and Lucy's Market. We were one of the good uh, presents to buy in the AJC gift guide, and we were part of Super Jenny's Thanksgiving menu. Yeah, around the holidays, our office was full of activity. We had professional staff that jumped in to help put labels on bags and help to sort and pack and even distribute pecans. Um, you can kind of say we were like Santa's elves, but with hairnets. <laughs> and we sold our pecans to consumers, volunteers, board members, as well as corporate guests to such local partners as Chick-fil-A. Revenues in just our first six months alone more than, uh, was more than $34,000, more than double what we expected. This terrific start has sparked us to think bigger and think differently about how we grow our revenues to support our mission here in Atlanta. The revenues alone from just our smallest bag, two ounces, will provide the food for one and a half meals. Our largest bag, 16 ounces, will provide the food for six meals for a hungry senior. We're also excited to announce that beginning in March, we will also be available as one of the in-room snacks at the St. Regis Hotel Atlanta. In December, I was standing in line down at the Savvy Market and a woman was buying a bottle of wine for a holiday gift. And so I told her that she should think about our purposeful pecans. They make a great holiday gift. And she said, oh, that's a good idea. And then I told her that all of the proceeds directly benefit feeding our hungry seniors in our community. And she said, uh-huh, that's a great idea. That was our aha moment. We think we're on to something really big here. And thank you so much for your support because now we're able to take our first product, Purposeful Pecans, and really expand this idea. We're gonna look at other gourmet products, maybe made in our kitchen like the pecans or prepared locally, or we're going to do some joint ventures with some other grown Georgia products. So thank you. Good. You know, it's been said that the most damaging phrase in the English language is that it's always been done that way. And funding at Mills on Wheels Atlanta had always been done one way, through private donations. Purposeful Brands is our new way. It is our new way that we are going to expand, and with the Epiphany funding, it'll help us accelerate our investment in kitchen and packaging equipment, as well as helping us further strengthen our supply chain. There are still thousands of hungry seniors in our community, and it's really just more, more than just pecans. This is our answer, it's our moment, this is our epiphany, so thank you. Last but certainly not least, I'm so glad to introduce you all to Kitty Murray, founder of Refuge Coffee Company. Hey, I'm, I'm not good at speaking to crowds without the pictures behind me of our beautiful red trucks and the beautiful people in our community. But it occurred to me this morning that I just need to invite you to come. It took us 20 minutes without traffic to get here this morning from Refuge. So come. We're so grateful. Our whole team is so grateful to First Pres and to Epiphany. And so if you see me, Remind me, and I'll buy you a latte, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, a little over seven years ago, when my husband and I moved to Clarkston, the most diverse square mile in the country, the first person we met was Amina, our neighbor. 
Amina is from Somalia. She has known more heartache and trauma than seems humanly possible to me. And yet, she's the one of the most generous people I've ever met. And it was through Amina we got to know our neighbors, and we fell in love with the refugee community in Clarkston. We hadn't been there maybe a year before I started asking a few questions, like, what if we could invite people to Clarkston not to gawk or volunteer or even to donate, but just to hang out and get to know the neighbors we loved? Did our world want that? Would they show up for that? And what if we could do that in a way that created some jobs and some job training for our community? And what if we could do all of that while making some really good coffee? So a few friends and family and I got together and we tested the concept by throwing some block parties on the streets and people showed up. About that time, as this, sorry about this, but as the idea was brewing, um, <laughs> I invited Amina to Dancing Goat's Coffee in Decatur, and as we sat there drinking our cappuccino, she said something I will never forget. She looked around and she said, Kitty, there will never be anything like this in Clarkston. Amina speaks nine languages, and victim is not one of them. And so this was an observation. It wasn't a complaint. But I heard something beneath her words. This is what I heard. Nobody believes that we, the refugee community, are worth this lavish display of welcome. I'd read somewhere that 85% of immigrants to our country have never been inside an American home. And so I started to think of a coffee shop as an extension of the American living room and a way to live out Jesus' command really simply to love the stranger and welcome them. And so those same friends and family, we did all that businessy nonprofit stuff you have to do so people will take you seriously. And we raised the money to buy a 1986 UPS truck for $3,000 on Craigslist and a good bit more to turn it into a coffee shop on wheels. And we parked our bright red coffee truck in a parking lot in the middle of Clarkston. And again, people showed up. And so eventually, we bought another truck. And then we built out two barista carts. And then we bought the parking lot. And then we bought the old gas station that sits on it. We went <laughs> a little crazy. Um, <laughs> we went from one full-time refugee employee to over three years increasing our refugee payroll by 500%. Uh, we built, a, built our own job training curriculum out. And in those same three years, we welcomed over 100,000 people from over 80 countries to our little coffee garage in Clarkston. And it's been really good. Good. It's been good. It's been good enough to break even most days. <laughs> most days. But lately, I've been asking myself this question. Do we want to tell our refugee neighbors that good enough is all they'll ever get? And that good enough is all we expect them to give back? I really, really hope not. I've been having this thought that if, if, a, if 
the place where we welcome everyone, our living rooms, could inspire a coffee shop that has become a town center, what if the heart of our homes, the space where we nurture others, could inspire our kitchens, sorry, our kitchens, could inspire a kitchen, a restaurant space, a venue, a business launch pad, and so much more. Because of this Epiphany grant, we're going to be able to begin that so much more, which will mean more jobs, more training, more dreaming, more partnering, and more welcoming. So thank you.